Are we we're doing this? Yeah, we're let's started? do it. Hey, everybody. Hi. <laughs> Completely awkward. So it's been a while since we got together. At least, well, I feel like I've lost track of time during the time that we both got just COVID. Been floating in between dimensions. Yeah, yeah, literally, I was healing in the astral dimension. I was fucking trying to take a nap. <laughs> and then they're like, healing. <laughs> so we just wanted to get together and have a talk amongst friends, which includes you guys. That sounds really cheesy, doesn't it? You said it. Okay. No, don't, you know how I feel about editing things. Okay. <laughs> so we're getting ready to start putting together season three, which we're super stoked about. Mm -hmm. And Ashley and I, uh, we just both got through a long journey with COVID. Super fun. How was your vacation with COVID? <laughs> I mean, I'm grateful for a strong immune system and for healing and all of that. We were just talking about, like, don't you feel like you kind of got, like, a like a spark for life again after? That's, at least that's how I felt. Like I think that there's, like, a gratitude that comes, like, from, like, things that you took for granted of just, like, granted of just, like, going and, like, picking up food for yourself or walking outside. And I thought it was really timely that, like, the Lion's Gate came, like, right after. So I felt like yes. it was, like, this opportunity to, like, have like a spiritual ceremony to like re-enter like life. Definitely. I remember because before I had contracted COVID, my whole workplace had got COVID at the same time. And I remember thinking out loud, like, oh, I, will, I turned up COVID to have all these days off and just be at home watching TV. And then I had COVID. And then I realized that like when I'm off, I like to go do things. I like to be outdoors. I like to hang out with you or, you know, be in nature and to have all the time off of me trapped inside it was like wow i really appreciate my it's freedom like time out yeah and we did not get covid from each other which i feel like That's the story we're telling everyone <laughs> i feel like people think like oh best friends i'm sure but i'm we didn't we haven't seen each other in like a few weeks before that yeah so you and this is the first time in like a month that we've seen each other in person so i'm really grateful for that too so we wanted to ease back into having conversations every week. So we decided the best way would have conversations with ourselves and to kind of ask each other really off the wall with personal questions and uh, see what excites us to start filming and talking to other people about. But I don't, we don't know what we're going to ask each other. <laughs> and I'm a little... Truth is, Ashley <laughs> wanted to know what I was going to ask her. She wanted to tell me what she was going to ask me. I said, no, we're going to... So this might turn into... a tear fest this might turn into a, a fist fight are you gonna get your camera ready in case i, I don't fuck this <laughs> <laughs> so should we dive into it you want me to go first you want to go first go ahead and go for ask first you act like i'm gonna ask you i like, don't know what so you're gonna ask me <laughs> i don't i don't know so ashley what is the nickname for your third nipple <laughs> All right, so I wanted to talk to you. Which is this? Is that the witch nipple? The witch nipple. I do have a skin tag under one of my boobs that that you, might be my witch nipple. Is that is that a real thing? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, you guys want to say? Yeah. <laughs> Please send a dollar ninety nine if you'd like to see. But okay, so um, the last two seasons we did get into a lot of 
queer rights. Uh, we talked about the transgender journey. It's, it's kind of interesting because we had a lot of conversations about that. And Ashley was also like, you just show me all these other gay people she's staying out with. And she didn't know this was going to be my first question for her. So as a friend and advocate for the queer community, what are some defining moments or relationships that connected you early on to the gay and lesbian community? Hmm. I think I have to think about like my first like awareness of being gay. You like okay. a, what that means. Okay. And like all I could think about is like like literally an episode of Fresh Prince and asking my mom like what gay means. Do you remember what happened in that episode of Fresh Prince? I don't. I just remember that my mom's answer and she's like, Well, do you know what it means? And I was like, It's when a man loves another man, right? And she's like they don't just love, they have sex with each other. So let's be clear about that. And I was like, and then it became really awkward because then you're talking about sex with your mom and you're like in elementary school and you're just like, <sighs> um, I'm trying to think like, I was a theater major, so I do you, feel- Do you remember your first openly gay friend or acquaintance or bisexual or like- what High you... school. Okay. Cause I feel like everyone in everybody in middle school like i'm pretty sure sure like my middle school theater teacher was gay he was british so maybe he was just british and not gay but i'm like i think that he is but i just feel like at that age i don't have a like a memory of anyone talking about it until high school i was a, like super into theater like drama club president and i feel like there was always a weird interaction of like me getting crushes on the like, gay boys. And that still <laughs> continues into your current life, not with me. Just to be clear about that. I'm like, who? I'm like, Adam Lambert was years ago. I think Adam Lambert was like when we first started becoming friends. Was it Adam Lambert like becoming mm. kind of famous then? But mm -hmm. like, what do you remember your first actual like gay relationship? Like your, your guy friend or, or girlfriend that was part of the community? Because I think that I was surrounded by people that were out like in high school. And then like, then there was like talk of like people that aren't out that like kind of are gay. And then like the guy that was out and gay, he was like the kind of like sound kind of like tech engineer, like in high school. And he was openly gay. And I always would gravitate. I always felt more comfortable and like, I think, I don't, I can't really explain it, but I just always gravitated towards the people that were, because I think that there was something about them that was different. Um, I don't remember any gendered women or anyone that was like transgender. I feel like it was primarily like other gay men. Um, and some of them were out, but I think I just felt like at that age, I don't know if it was like related to like trauma, ancestral trauma or whatever. I think there was just like a safety uh, up to where like, I felt like I could like be myself and that I could trust them. I think I just felt safe around them. And then a lot of them were like good looking. They were like attractive. But I think at that point I would like, there was a part of me that was also kind of like oblivious or maybe it was wishful thinking, you know what I mean? But it was the other guy, the sound engineer guy that was gay and out, he would try to warn me and he'd be like, you know, he's gay, right? Like he knew that he blew me uh, in the sound booth <laughs> like two weeks ago. 
and he's gay, honey. Like he like. And so, what, ha- what happened after that vivid warning? Did it turn you off or did it turn you on? I don't remember. Like, I think it was just kind of like that was sort of like my awareness of like, oh, you know what I mean? Like, didn't really like think about that or like it wasn't programmed into me. And they weren't out. They weren't talking about it. But it, they were like. I think if anything, it's just like, oh, like I was close to these people. Like I had friendships with them. Like they were just the people that I gravitated to clearly, you know? And I think that in college, I mean, I was a theater major, so I feel like there was definitely more uh, people around me. I, I don't know. Like I, I, I can't say that. Um, I can't, I can't say like from college that there's anything that stuck. I feel like if anything, I just start to like think about like in my early twenties, which is like around the time that we well, my early twenties, yours was like mid twenties. Let's just But I feel like restaurant life and around early twenties and like that time frame was like maybe it's just because I'm forgetting and I like you know, like that movie inside out where like they take all the memories that <laughs> <laughs> you don't need anymore. I was like maybe they're just they're just gone. But I feel like like, I mean, other than some of my other coworkers in other restaurants of Joe's Crab Shack locations that shall not be named, you have been my closest and best friend for many years, even during our separation. Clearly our souls were still connected and chatting each other up. It's a really good cover. I like that. <laughs> but I think that like, I know that I always wanted to hire. <laughs> You're like, Ashley, you can't just hire someone because they're gay. <laughs> Ashley at one point was trying to hire an entirely gay male staff. And I, being a gay male, is one that I'd be like, Ashley, we're going to have to let some straight people work here. <laughs> so you're welcome, straight community. <laughs> well, the, I just feel like I can't say that there was like a defining moment. Those are just the things that stand out of like my first like awareness. Like literally, I feel like I was just so naive like in high school and even like early college, I was so, so naive. And I think I almost thought that like, like that other people were gay. Cause then I'm just like, you're in the theater department and you're just like, wait, I've learned about this. Like, are you gay and just not out yet or not? But although I think I told you in the college community, actually, now that I think about it, um, the guys that I had dated that were in fraternities in college, they were both in the fraternities that had gay members. And so for me, I felt like I just really liked, I liked UCI as a school, first of all, for having like, at least three fraternities that I knew about that had gay male members and that this is my college memory. Yeah. I'm like thinking and, and like my like longtime boyfriend at the time, like his big brother uh, was gay, you know? So I feel like these are, there was, yeah, I feel like multiple guys that were. See, it's so interesting for you to have that recollection. Cause even though I'm just a couple years older than you, like for for myself, my experience was the straight women that hung out with 
gay men or suspected gay men because it was almost terrifying to come out as gay at that time. They almost like it was like they had to like cross the line and people judge them for even associating it with gayness. So I think it's awesome that even in a couple of years, mm-hmm. like there wasn't that stigma. Well, I think it probably depends on like the school and like the location, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, but I just really. I feel like I just felt like there's did, always so many stereotypes of like you, the Greek community and frat boys. Did you ever get any of that pushback or anyone ever telling you like, oh, why are you hanging out with so-and-so? They're a fag or... Um, one fucking douche of the Sigma Pi fraternity. Sigma Pi? You've been yeah, from UCI. I just felt like these guys were so douchey. And I remember like um, one of them, I ended up getting kicked out as this position (laughs) because (laughs) another story but like i broke up with my boyfriend and started dating his like little brother from the fraternity (laughs) and it was a really big deal within the greek community like i felt like i was like there was a lot of gossip but before that like uh the little sisses of the fraternities um they were able to wear their letters and so i remember this like douchey like sigma pi guy was like walking in the parking lot he's like oh like uh sigma nu is letting women join their fraternity now apparently like they've just like taken it a step further you know what i mean and like i think that that was totally a dig at the fact that they had gay members Mm. what was your reaction to it then i don't remember like I'll have to ponder it or maybe it'll come back, but I don't remember. Yeah. yeah. I'm not sure like if I said anything or, I mean, I feel like I've always been a pretty outspoken person, but I mean, we're talking, this was probably like in two, year, 2000, 2000, 2002, I graduated high school in 2002, 2004. I mean, something like that. We're getting out there. Okay. Yeah. All right. Did you hope that I like organized a protest or a? No. I wish like I, I feel like my stories I are very that, like uneventful. That, that would be so dishonest for you. To be like, and I, I lit the campus on fire. Like, I think it's realistic to your evolution that maybe you didn't say anything. Let's be realistic. I don't know. I mean, I can't say that like I've always been the same person, and. I think that I've always stood up for myself and what I believed in, but I don't know. Like, I know that I've changed a lot in 20 years, so I don't know. Like, I feel like, I mean, you know, you knew me shortly after that age and it's like, but even in a couple years that could have changed. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I feel like I'm not sure like what other stories I have or other, defining moments because I just it it's almost like for me it just was always kind of like you know like a, how a little child like they're just not aware of what anyone is like different from them like I just always have felt kind of naive about things and like I've always been the one that just didn't understand things and um but in a good way yeah do you know what I mean just kind of like and then all of a sudden you're introduced to certain things and it's almost like confusing to you and I don't think that I really thought about it until I started to like have like 
close friends that I was having deep conversations with because I haven't had like I think like the the other restaurant came after Newport right like I don't feel like I had any deep deep friendships other than just like people in passing like you know what I mean other than like surface level kind of conversations like until you and I became best friends and like that's just I set the bar high that's what she's trying to say well yeah, I don't know. Okay. You want to go or want me to keep going? No, we need to go back and forth. <laughs> I feel like that was like an underwhelming answer, though. It, like, I feel like, see, things like that, I could have used some reflection time. And I, no, I might have had not, like a that, better we're opportunity. We're not, I'm going to fucking re record if I think of a better answer. Okay, you're not running for president of fucking gay island either, where you're like, from day one, I had a rainbow tattoo. I thought for the right to know, but just being candid and honest. Next question. So I know that we've talked about a reference, like people know that you work a program, uh-huh. but I'm just curious if you would be able to share like more about your sobriety journey, because I've actually heard a lot of your story. And I honestly don't think that the people that listen, other than people that might know you in other ways, like have heard your story. Would you be willing to share some of it? Hey, just like the overall view of the journey. I mean, whatever you think would be the best thing to share, you know? Mm, okay, I'll give like the, the more, the, what is it? Uh, is it like a 10 minute? Yes, 10 minutes speaker? to get comfortable. No, what's uh, the bridge version of it? So, I mean, you know, and people that have listened to the podcast for some time that I grew up in an alcoholic household, my, like my family's rampant with alcoholics in it um and from a very early age i just never wanted to be that and then from a very early age i became that like i thought that i didn't drink till i was 15 and i thought that at 15 that was really holding out and you know at first it was it was fun and you know i've really had the reflection recently on panels you know i used to hear people say like I was really thankful when I found alcohol and drugs and I would get really angry about that because we'd be like, you know, advocating for people that are suffering from alcoholism to get help and we're like kind of like romanticizing it. And But I really understand that I am really thankful that I found alcohol and drugs at an early age because it probably did save me from a lot more suicide attempts. But it, within like a five, six year period, I think I knew that I was in trouble. Probably around 25, 26, probably when we really started getting close. I okay. knew I was like in trouble but i did fight it for like another decade i did sacrifice great friendships like our friendship you know i sacrificed great relationships i've been engaged three times and it's not a brag it's kind of pitiful and i I gave up great jobs and uh you know there's a turn of events that really brought me to my surrender uh, a little over four years ago and to be honest like i i really I didn't think I could adhere to any kind of recovery program because I'm such a natural rebel and I buck things like religion and I buck things like God or church or any kind of Christianity and finding that program of recovery, thank God it lets me discover my own relationship with the higher power. And so I've been sober at this time, four years, three months and some change. And uh, yeah, it's something I never ever thought I could do. I really, for the last 10 years of my drinking career, thought like if I stop drinking, I'm gonna blow my brains out because I equated living to drinking and doing drugs, you know? 
I couldn't imagine going to a birthday party. I couldn't imagine going to a funeral. I couldn't imagine being in love sober. I couldn't imagine going through heartbreak sober. So it really is a disease that clings to your DNA. It clings to like your structure of life. And so for the last four years and some change, I, I've really given myself over to a program of recovery and helping other people. Does that kind of answer where it works? Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Cause like, I think that there's people that I, like, I don't know that we've like really, we don't dive in, we don't talk about it often other than in passing, you know? Well, I mean, I think you're such an integral part of my life that you've been to meetings with me. You've heard me speak that, like, we don't necessarily need to speak like this about it. So it's cool that, like, other people might get to hear about it because you see me living it day to day. So I think for you and I, it's like, you know, like, when I hear you speak of motherhood, like, in a, like almost a third person, it's very fascinating because I get to see you day to day, like, living motherhood. So you get to see me day to day living sobriety. Mm-hmm. So I, I thank you for that question. But... It really was something I never, like I used to, I remember I would ride the bus home like the last few years of my disease and I would be like, I got to the point where I would go through alcohol withdrawals, like, you know, I had seizures from alcohol withdrawals and I'd be shaking, I'd be vomiting from not having alcohol in my head and I knew like, I was like, oh my God, I'm an alcoholic, my body's become dependent upon it and I would start to think like, I need to give up drinking and right away the voice in my head was like, you, you're going to kill yourself before you that like you're gonna go to the bitter end so it's really kind of one of those miracles of living to know that i can sober i know that sounds really like la di da but i think a lot of people either think that they cannot be sober and it's just a trip to like be currently evidence that you can Mm. and he's an amazing speaker by the way because i've been able to watch him speak like at a few different meetings and like, first of all, I was like, I mean, speaking of how oblivious I was and <laughs> before, I was completely oblivious that my best friend was an alcoholic, although you were really good at hiding it. Now, I told her the story that she wasn't aware of. I remember, do you remember I told you the story? Like, we would go to clubs and bars, and then, like, she'd spend the night in my house, and I used to drink in the morning when she was still sleeping. This one time, we were at, like, CBS. Remember, we used to go to CBS on mm-hmm. PCH, and he got really close to me, like, God, and I had just drank, like, an hour before, and she's like, God, you, you still smell like liquor, and I was like, oh, it's still coming out of my pores. And you're like, okay, and, like, just walked away, and that's, like, how... You, I, I was the perfect best friend. <laughs> okay. Yeah, okay. I was, just like, a, I was like, see? I was like... <laughs> You selected me for that. I guess I did. You're like, who's the most childlike, naive one that's just going to let me get away with it? But, me? I mean, that's part of the painfulness of this disease is I stopped. I'm a, You know I'm a hugger. I'm a hugger. I'm like a natural. Like, I like to be popular with people. I stopped hugging people, like, the last five, six years because they would smuggle liquor on me. Mm-hmm. So people go to hug me. I like high-five them awkwardly or, like, push them away or, like, fist bump. So, like, that's what how encompassing the disease is. Yeah. You ready for, for your big hit question? Okay. Ready? So we're going oh, to get a little deeper here, okay? So we've talked about it briefly on the podcast before, but you did experience a sexual assault. I felt like I knew <laughs> this was going to come. In, in your 20s, but I'll uh-huh. talk about what, but I think that, you know, going into season three, we're probably going to dig a little deeper. Yeah. So whatever you feel like sharing, like how did that experience shape you as a woman? Mm, I feel like that last part is hard like to like think about off the top of my head, but I will say um, 
this had to have been around 2004, 2005, because I was living on campus at UCI at the time. And it was uh, an experience that I've had to piece together, like, after many years, like, because I feel like, first of all, I like buried it so deep that I didn't want to look at it. And then now that I was at a different vantage point, and I think like at a place in my life where I'm strong enough to be with it, then I was finally able to see all of it and put things together. And uh, I will say like, long story short, my space was big at the time. And it was like a very popular thing, like, because it was like before Tinder and stuff like that, people would meet like from MySpace people that lived locally and so it was somebody from myspace and i thought i was being like safe because i had my sister morgan like drop me off at the bar and like i think even like drive us home but then at some point like uh i had this this the guy and his friend he was a he, he was he was a uh, like a white male from South Africa and he had like a South African accent if it was real I don't know but honestly I don't remember his name I don't know if I just like kind of blocked it out um, but him and his friend came back to like where I lived on the sorority house and you're not actually supposed to drink in those houses but I was drinking there um, I feel like I was like just kind of wanting to hang out and drink with them and have fun um, I know at one point the friend left my roommate wasn't there. Um, it's my belief and understanding that something was put in my drink uh, because at one point, like uh, I was telling him to stop and I are trying to, and I could not talk. And uh, I think like when I had that memory that like, oh, I've never been drunk to the point where I couldn't talk ever mm-hmm. except then. And so I'm just like, I think that was one of the things that I put together later of being like, and hearing other people's stories. And then you're just like, that sounds like me, you know? And uh, I just wanted to make out with him, you know? I thought he was cute. And I, at that point, I actually, I wouldn't have sex with anyone that I wasn't like in a boyfriend, girlfriend committed relationship with. Because again, I was just like, kind of like this naive, like uh, very protective of my like good girl status. So, he, I will say that, like, he drove himself home. And where I was at the point where I c- could not communicate. And that he messaged me the next day on there and said, like, you probably shouldn't tell anybody about this because everyone's going to think you're a slut and you wouldn't want anyone thinking that about you. Well, that sounds really foolish now to 37-year-old Ashley to like the Ashley that was like 21 or 22, like that was the last thing I wanted people to think of me. And I felt ashamed. I felt like it was all my fault. Um, I didn't even use the word rape for a long time until like I was sitting in like a kind of like camp. I was like the risk management person for all the Greek system at UCI for a year or something. And they were talking about it and like the difference between kind of like rape and assault and then at one point I was like oh my god like this is fucking rape like this isn't just assault and like I know that you've even heard me kind of like uh more recently like minimize it because like I'm I was like well I wasn't violently beaten and raped you know so 
I feel like I don't, I feel like it shouldn't matter. or I feel like it's unimportant. And I think like that was a part of me. I think it was a coping mechanism to minimize it and to like, to protect me and to like, be like, oh, I can bury this. It didn't, modern day times, I guess it didn't come back around until the Me Too movement was really big. And it really hit me when I saw everyone posting about it. And you know me, like, you know, in the last several years, I'm like a very candid person. Like I talk about a lot of things and I couldn't post about it because I hadn't told my mom, I hadn't told my husband, like, and I was like, how can I fucking post about this with this hashtag and share my story with everyone on the internet when I haven't talked about it to the people that are closest to me? Um, I will say that I don't even want to go into the conversations, but I had some like difficult conversations with some family members and there was some reactions that they had unconsciously to like kind of uh what do they call it insulation to protect themselves from not being afraid like for my college age sister for instance you know that it really fucking hurt me you know what I mean and it was like hard to feel like there was this like kind of like this unconscious shame you know what I mean like it, people that sometimes don't know with like it was hard to talk about it, right? Like I'm like, I buried it for years and to like say it for the first time, it's just like such a, a tender thing that like you just really need to feel safe and like, like it still hurts, you know what I mean? To feel like, to remember that moment, like I could still put myself back there. You Do you know? feel like I blindsided you with this question? I, after like I heard your first one, then I was just like, I felt like you were gonna ask it. But in terms of like how it shaped me as a woman, I feel like it's more like when it resurfaced because we were reconnected mm -hmm. at that time. Mm -hmm. And I kind of had to decide like, what do I do with this? Because I don't feel like bearing it again. It like, it came up for a reason. I'm strong enough to be with this and heal with it. And so my immediate, like, I guess like, reaction is like I'm someone that is like very centered on like purpose and taking whatever my life's journey has been and wanting to help people with it and so I even though nothing ever came of it I don't I went to UCI and I started talking to them about sharing my story and feeling like women needed to hear that it was okay to talk about it and to see that like I was okay because I felt like I'm like okay I can't really go back and change a ton of things now because it's been so long and I don't even have like the full memory of the person but I'm like okay if I was a college woman sitting in that seat and I hear someone telling me their story and that like I don't have to carry shame around it and that like I just felt like that might give someone the strength to, sh to like not fucking carry that for years. Well, I bring it up because everything that you just described are how women are pre-groomed to almost expect to be violated and then how we're they're pre-groomed to kind of bury it because they don't want to be the slut. Mm -hmm. They don't want to be that girl. They don't want to be, you know, the person that no one believes. Know, so women are almost kind of pre-groomed for these rapes, you know, to not talk about it. 
You know, mm-hmm. that's what that guy instantly did to you. Is he groomed you to shut the fuck up? So, well, he just kind of pushed pushed the button that already existed there. Yeah, that's, well, society kind of puts it out there that if a, a woman gets raped, she played a part in it, or she's a slut. Or that she was what I thought. Well, it's. Yeah. I was like, I'm so stupid. I'm so stupid. So, I'm so embarrassed <laughs> of how stupid I am for putting myself in this situation. I should be smarter than that. I should know better. So exactly, it's the, my fault. The, the victim, you know, co-owns the rape. You know, and the, the reason I bring it up is because I've watched your evolution as a woman to be able to connect with other women because it's like enough is enough. And you, you're you're safer to speak about it, and especially as a mother of a girl now. I think it's a very interesting and powerful place to be. Yeah. And so, I mean, I know you asked how it shaped me as a woman, and I just feel like I feel like it was a big part of my shadow. And I think that when it, like, it kind of rose in the collective and it unearthed a lot of things and, like, people were like, these women are crazy and they're attacking. Who are they going to come for next? And it's like, well, like, they should be angry. Yeah. <laughs> Rightfully so. Like, like, this is a good thing for people to be being with, like, this stuff and bringing it out of shame because it's like, that has a lot of power. Like it had a lot of power over me. So I just feel like the massive amount of like space probably that that cleared up for me to like fill it with other things and to know that like, like I remember even like having that video of like trying to like come to a point of like forgiveness and like it was that I remember actually that was like right in the first few weeks that we reconnected as friends. That should almost be a bonus episode on the platforms. Now inhibit because it's amazing, and I don't even know how many people saw it. Not but, many, and, you know that was powerful. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Again, that I have like the perfect question of how it shaped me, but I just know that like that journey has been. It's continuing to it's unfold. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. I hope you don't feel like I. No. I feel like at least I had a more valid answer than the first one, which I'm still judging myself. Oh over. my god! <laughs> okay, so because we're out here and like you know in the internets and um, how many, how much time have we got? Thirty four. See, we might have to like do like a part one and a part two. We're getting this done right now. Right? <laughs> so um, anyone could hear this. And I know that you really trust in the universe to bring the right messages to the right people. So I would love for you to put out there like your like ideal partner who you'd really want to attract like in your love life. I know that we've made a lot of friend and spiritual like uh-huh. friendship connection to the podcast. So I feel like, you know, I've even put the idea out there of uh-huh. having like a like that we should have a spiritual app for spiritual rebels and misfit singles. But I think that you should share a little bit about so now the one you're calling in (laughs) i mean there's it almost feels like a self-indulgent question of all i'll answer because i think that as a it's funny because we were talking about this last night with some of my one of my gay sponsees and some of the sponsee sisters about 
allowing myself to have a crush since I got sober because the truth about gay dating nowadays is it's so fucking jaded. Probably the whole dating world, but I think especially the gay community is so fucking jaded, you know? And it's like if you show too much interest or you get too excited, like gay men look at you like, fucking calm down, clinger, like, you know, you know and then it works. So way- basically, do they see you like from the White Lotus? Are you like a... <laughs> I am. Like, mom that's, why I, that's why I opposed to that <laughs> quote. Because, like, when she was saying that, I felt that she's like, I just, I want to fucking put it all on the table. I'm done, like, playing poker. Like, this core done. If you haven't watched White Lotus, please watch it. But for me, like, honestly, I, I have been blessed to be engaged to three amazing, amazing men. And it was amazing. So I don't feel like there's ever, like, I will ever experience, like, feeling a lack of having experienced love. Yeah. But for me, Right now, I want to be with a man that allows me to have a crush, and I have a, has a crush on me back. And someone, kindness, honestly, it sounds so cheesy and so, like, one of those, like, Tinder commercials or whatever, but, like, kindness and humor, like, get me harder than anything else. And, of course, I want to be physically attracted to someone. I want someone sexually. Do you have a type? Like, the thing is, like, no. Like, you've seen, like, the... The different people I've been attracted to, it's like kind of all over the board. But for me, it really is truly about the soul. And of course, I want to be bodily attracted to someone, but it's someone that's adventurous, um, mm-hmm. that pushes me to grow, that believes in me. So it really is about that soul connection. You know, it's, yeah. I mean, I think early on when we were friends, it was definitely about like that physical connection and who I could fuck. That's or, evolved a lot with yeah, you. Yeah. Like a complete 180. Right. So, I mean, like, I, the thing is, it, early on, I think for both of us, it was such a centerpiece of our existence, like finding that person or at least that conquest or that obsession. And it's not like it doesn't it doesn't haunt me. You know, I have moments of like feeling like alone. But for me, like it really is just that soul connection. You know, the three men I was engaged to, each one of them, I didn't expect, it, well, except for the first, I didn't expect it to be anything. But right away when I met them, whether I liked it or not, it was going to be something. I could feel it in my core. So I think when it comes to that, like, I just, I'm going to trust the universe when that feeling comes again. I'm going to sense from my core that, like, like it or not, if it's convenient or not, this is love. And you're going to show all the layers of the onion. All, like, the core of the onion. The core of the onion. Yeah. Take my mom with you. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I feel like maybe after the next question, then we do the first speed round just so we can, like, break things up a little bit. How do you feel about that? I feel like you're being the director right now, but I'll go along with it. Would you, what, how would you direct this? Okay, so Second. I feel like you're going to ask, you're going to answer this next question. I think it's going to be more in your wheelhouse, right? Okay. And then we'll go to speed round, right? <laughs> you're going to get led about this one. Okay, right? okay. So tell me about the period in the life when you finally decide to step out of the line in the corporate world and create your own destiny. I worked, well, I think it did start when I left Joe's Crab Shack because that was like the first time that I remember people telling me that I was like nuts to be like leaving and like you could kind of just sense that people just thought you were crazy. Um, I ended up leaving like for another company, like, uh, but it was a fully remote position. It was commission only, which is why everyone was telling me I was crazy. But I think like in retrospect, it was like a stepping stone between fully working on my own because I had like, kind of like the structure and some mentorship and guidance from other people 
um, and they would be the one that would kind of bring in the work and the clients. And, um, but then I was like kind of all on my own to figure it out. And then I think that that was what set me up to then be like, wait a second, like, I don't really need them. I could do this on my own. <laughs> and, um, so I think that that was like the first leap. Um, the next leap that came, uh, was like a few weeks after I got married mm -hmm. in 2015. And I know that I had like a spiritual awakening at that time. And which was also very interesting for my new husband <laughs> to witness. Um, I think that I came back to my recruiting job with like a different perspective and I started to feel like just this like sense and knowing that I didn't feel in control of like my own success and my own like career destiny. And I felt like at that point, like if um, I think I basically asked to like do my own thing while also working with them and I was a 1099 freelancer and by law, you actually, you can do your own thing. That's a different story for a different day. <laughs> but when she told me no, I had been singing car karaoke, by the way, on the way from Wicked uh, to Fire Gravity. I already saw the vision of this story in my head, so please tell us, sister. Because <laughs> you read that email that I wrote a couple years ago. Yeah, but the song is like, it's like very empowering and it was like i'm trying to think how it goes flying high defying gravity <laughs> it's like very much like dramatic it's very dramatic and it was basically like you can't bring me down like you know like if anyone asks where i'm at i'm fucking a witch flying around doing my thing <laughs> and so i'm like all amped up and like singing this song over and over in the car. And I think like, I mean, that song, the lyrics of it, music has a frequency and vibration. So I think I like the universe fucking set that shit up. And so when she told me no, then I was like, well, I will be quitting then and I'm gonna go do my own thing. And um, it, there was definitely, it wasn't, it was hard, like really hard first year um, for multiple reasons. Um, but to me, like, I'm really proud of myself for that moment. Like, I just feel like, even though like afterwards and before you feel a little bit crazy, I just remember the high and like, I think, cause I knew that I like stood up for myself and that I was like on the way to this like new journey. And, um, when I was singing Disney karaoke on the way here today, <laughs> <laughs> a song from Frozen 2 this time. No wonder you went hand in hand with Gaiman right <laughs> Well, you do have a theory that I'm a gay man in a woman's body. That's a body. whole other episode. Yeah. And so maybe that's why I didn't know. Because <laughs> I was like just finding my own kind. You're finding in high your school. own tribe. And I was like, why don't they like me? How could they all penises? <laughs> <laughs> Um, but I think that, uh, it was talking about like, uh, the curiosity or like the fear and the curiosity of like going into the unknown frozen Two song. Um, uh, 
And I was like, I think that like there's an exhilaration to it when you're like, that's in the quantum. You're fucking playing in the quantum where there's like all possibilities exist when the unknown is there. And I think it's also like terrifying because you're just like, I don't know what's next. Like, I don't really know what I'm doing, but um, yeah, I just feel like it feels that was like what started it all, you know? I love that story. Ready to speed around? No, you're gonna do speed round. Oh, okay. I get the speed round, then we do your speed round. I'm gonna do your speed round. I think. Okay, Okay. so break down what speed round is. Okay, so speed round, um, I'm gonna ask five questions, rapid fire questions, and you have to answer them without thinking about it really quick. Just like whatever comes to your mind, okay? Just to kind of break it up a little bit. Uh, Favorite extraterrestrial being? Um, Palladians. Favorite book? Uh, the hours. Favorite Spice Girl. A uh, scary. Favorite cereal. Uh, Cocoa Krispies. Does your milkshake bring all the boys to the yard? It does. Plus four. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Favorite <Yeah>. question. <laughs> I'm just kidding. You know what's up. You ready for your next question? Oh wait, no, 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 oh. no, 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 no. So that was a double whammy for me. Well, because I just answered. Okay. That was like two seconds. Don't be a locker. You need, you need okay. to go. Okay. So um, what are the main messages that you're called to share in this lifetime? I, I feel like it is changing right now. Uh, I feel like the first main message that I, I believe is part of my soul contract was that you can, you can survive anything and still have a love and joy for life that no one can deplete that for me. Mm. I really believe that I completed part of my soul contract with the childhood that I was born into. And then the early adulthood that I put myself through mm-hmm. that you can ri- rise. You know, that's one of the big things like rise from this. Don't sink in it. Don't let it become your identity. Like mm-hmm. for so many years, I was a victim. That was my identity. You know, being depressed was my identity. So I think that has been the first if I mean, not like I'm famous and I'm going to spread the message, but I feel like but that is you, my that is my calling to like yeah. let other people know because I didn't think that you could rise from those things, and I think I am learning now, and I think that's what I would love a lot for this next season to be about is like that second act, and that there's not an expiration date on us fully coming into our full being. You know mm-hmm. that you can do it. I you know I just turned forty this year. That you can do it at forty. You can do it at sixty. You can also do it at twenty. You can also do it at nineteen. That like there's not an expiration date or a start time for us that we could fully come into ourselves and over and over again too. So I think that's the message. What are you laughing at? <laughs> Sorry. Like I think I was anticipating what your speed round questions might be. <laughs> you get your little fearful. Just laughing. You should be. Like, oh no. You wanna do them now to get no. out of the way? Okay. <laughs> no. All right. You wanna do your next question? Is that, do you feel like you had enough time to like fully complete that? I need to start answering these faster. I talk too long. That's true. (laughs) But I do. I think that's it in a nutshell. Like I don't, I don't need to get overly elaborate about it. I really feel that. I need to get better at that. This first half was about learning that you can rise from anything. And really like last night, the conversation was like being angry or depressed are not personalities. 
And I think a lot of our society think those are personalities. I'm this angry such and such, or I'm this depressed such and such. And those aren't personalities. Those are emotional experiences that are meant to come and go. So, and then really that you can start it at any time, anywhere. I think you're the perfect person to carry that message. And you do need to get fucking famous and bring me with you. And share that everywhere. Well, just kind of on that note, okay? You know, you experienced kind of your own coming out. So how was it experiencing your own version of coming out as a channel and a medium and the vulnerability of it all? Well, I don't consider myself a medium. Okay, we're getting there, though. Hmm. Don't you think we're getting there? I don't think that I have to be like a, like all spiritual gifts. I don't think so either. But don't you think that you're starting to recognize well, that some of those? There's definitely times where mediumship types of information comes through, but like so I don't know that it's my spiritual genius. But like in terms of um, let's focus on the channel then. Yeah, you're definitely a channel. So that has been interesting. That's been interesting. It's been the most recent coming mm -hmm. out, but I feel like there's several phases because i think even like coming out as like uh like a person that can do intuitive readings and then like claiming the word like psychic and then channel but i feel like channel is like the freshest one um and i was actually thinking the other day that i'm just like oh like life's been so chaotic that i need to make more space for this because i feel like i feel like it's almost like sometimes out of like convenience that i can like kind of step away from it but i um I think that for me, that one felt big because it felt, I'm trying to think what it is. Well, first of all, there was a lot of fear. Like whenever I would talk about it with my therapist at the time, with my coach, there was like for the first few times I just would cry. So I, and I didn't understand really why. Um, I started to get glimpses of past lives and different aspects of my soul that had some fear around it and maybe some protection. I just know that for me, it's like, it was really scary to claim something that feels like there's a lot of people in society that are going to be like, Oh, well, you can't prove that you're just making it up. Um, and that's like, it's hard. It's like, it's really, that stuff like really sticks to you. And it's like hard to walk through all of that and to be like, okay, well, I know that this is really like, I know that, you know, that I sat with it, like, and it was like in my orbit for a few years before I even talked about it. And it wasn't until more recently that I started to talk about it and own it and claim it. And like, I did it live. Um, for the first time, maybe just in the last couple months. And so it's still very fresh. And because of that, like, I want to say that it's, it's tender as well. Um, so I don't like, I don't, what else do you think? That's yeah, perfect. that's, that's enough. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I think we'll explore it more when the opportunity, but I just love that. I think it's mean to a champion from other people too that are trying to own you know these mm -hmm. gifts that are under the floorboards i've watched that you become more of a champion of people like come on girl come on boy let's do this because you went through it yourself it's kind of like yeah. what the gay community goes with with people in the closet too is like you know like once we step into that power of owning a piece of us we then 
want to be champions for other people. So I've watched you do it yeah. for especially women that like they've had these gifts or wear these gifts, but they're afraid society is going to think they're crazy or mm-hmm. attention seeking or so that's been fascinating. Yeah. And I think that because I didn't intend to be the person that helps people's gifts come out, but I think that like when you're vibrating that, then other people are going to gravitate towards you or see themselves in your situation. And so I think that like, when I think about like the main messages that I want to share, that's definitely one of them. And, um, in like a recent therapy session, like I remember like going through the conversation and just being like, Hey, like this, cause it wasn't always accepted even by my husband. Although like that's been, something that we've been walking through because like sometimes like he gets to be a human and have like knee-jerk gut reactions and so there's also like that that part of me that has to learn to be like okay well like I need to let him react and like I need to like create some space here for us to like keep having conversations and keep like uh, I guess for me to at least have the safety to feel like like I'm still able to talk about it Um, but I know that I started breaking down and just like crying again because I was like, cause it's not just about me. Like this is about everyone everywhere that has gifts. And like, I feel like there's like this energy and this part inside me that like is pushing me through because it's like, it's not just about me. And it's just like, I'm just, it's like, of course, like I have to go first so I can like help all the people that will come after me to do it. And so I feel like it's, that's definitely a big understanding that I have now. Okay. Well, so, I feel like I should, I was, well, next I'm going to just give you a forewarning. Next, we're going to do your speed run and then your final question. Okay. Um, tell us about your dream life and your dream career. Yeah, I feel like we're on a date. You should at least have dessert in front of me when you ask I me this. I brought a s'mores pie from Blaze. I already ate it. I know. <laughs> <laughs> my dream life, my dream career. Mm-hmm. On it's about to get cheesy. Um, in recovery, there's a saying like I, you know, I now have the dream, uh, the life beyond my wildest dreams, mm-hmm. and like we kind of make fun of it, but I really already have part of a life beyond my wildest dreams because I never thought that I could actually be at peace inside myself. And that sounds super, super cheesy, but it is the major qualm of every alcoholic and addict to like find that inner peace. Mm-hmm. So I'm super stoked to already have that peace. I don't need to go and like do other achievements or land a husband or a dream job to feel that already. Cause yeah. I thought that I would have to find like material success to be there. But I mean, like what lights me up is definitely writing and having conversations. And I love creating, I, I we're both from theater, but I, I love watching writing that involves metaphors that opens our eyes to other people's storylines, to their struggles. So for me to be in that creative field, however that comes about, like finishing the book that I've been working on for the last year and a half, writing other materials and just having soul-to-soul conversations that would be my dream career uh that's how i would love to live my life and what i'm striving for 
and that's why I love our podcast, which was just something that started out of love and wanting to connect with one another and other people is having those connections, man. And we're talking about like all the people that come into our life <laughs> and created this kind of community. Like that's however I can do that. That's my dream life. That, I love it. Does that answer or not? Okay, ready for your speed round? Okay. I don't know. Okay, you made up this, by the way, this, this I know. game, so I don't get thought mad about already. it because you're spicy. <laughs> yes. Let's <laughs> get weird, okay? Okay, ready? Remember, you got to answer right away. No thinking about it. Right? Uh-huh. Great. Two, no more than a two second. Oh, great. Okay, ready? Okay. Think of the worst pet name for a penis. Groggy. <laughs> worst place you've ever had sex. <laughs> Come on. That's a lie. Come on. I want to say back of a car, but I don't think that's oh, true. That's so boring. I don't right, think that's true. This is the easier one. Least favorite Disney princess. Come, uh, come on. Come on. Jasmine? Fuck you, hating on Jasmine. Pocahontas is the worst. Everyone knows this. <laughs> favorite homosexual actor? Hugh Grant. Hugh Grant's straight, you bitch. Look. <laughs> Blowjob blow or anal. Come on. I'm like, am I receiving? <laughs> Doesn't matter. I'm so confused. Hugh Grant. I don't even know what he's the first one. Are you sure you're straight? Yeah. Can we go real Yes. He's straight. I mean, he, really? he enjoys transsexual women, but transsexual are women. <laughs> He's Elizabeth Hurt, anyways. Okay, so this goes into the final question for you, right? I don't even think it would be you, Grant. These are just like, that's not even true. It's because you have a problem with British people. British people are all gay. (laughs) So, my final question to you is people don't get to see it enough, but you're actually really hilarious and vulgar in day to day adult interaction. Let's talk about the importance of not taking yourself too serious and how humor is vital. So you and I talk about a lot that one of the things that drives us crazy about the spiritual community is that people kind of get on top of the spiritual mountain and they're just like a a guru. And we always would joke about it with like our podcast guests and we would kind of like vet them to see if they're going to get offended by like the word fuck or like we got really lucky thus far yeah like we're always like when do you, when's the first time gonna be that like we yeah, gotta pull in off. our guests and they're just like fuck these two <laughs> fuck them or no they would be like <laughs> they wouldn't say that they would probably be like Namaste. thank you for your service Namaste. like you may go <laughs> this is not the right energy for Tonight. Yeah, I brought out my. Uh, I'm gonna send you Reiki and. Praying for you. So how how <laughs> well I how think, vital is humor to your own journey? Well, I just think that like that sometimes like we connect spirituality. Um, seriousness. With seriousness and with like stoicism, and like that there's so much about like unidentifying and detaching from like ego and kind of like to become like no thing you must become no one and like all of these different things that people like be, they're just like i have to be this blank sleep that's just like you know here and it's like i think that i think about buddha you know like the laughing buddha and like i think in many ways like that 
uh, hum having humor can be like the highest form of spirituality because I also think it's very connected with the playful childlike energy. And we're always trying to like get back to that state that we came into being with and like think about how much children laugh at like fart jokes or like just like stupid shit. You know what I mean? They're not allowed to say fuck yet in most households, yeah. but like, I feel like, like to me, like that is huge. Like that's a part of existence and that a lot of times, like you do have to release a lot of ego to even get into the place of not taking yourself too seriously and like having a sense of humor around things. And so I think that for me, like I just enjoy lightness and I've always enjoyed even like, like as a coach, when I work with clients, when there's certain things that are like hard for them to be with or talk about how much like adding humor into the situation allows like them to get just in enough of a different vantage point to actually see like the ridiculousness of their thinking or how like they're taking something way too seriously. And like, I like, being able to add that in just because I, and like, I do it tastefully. Like I don't do it to like, you know, in situations that are going to like be offensive to somebody most of the time, but <laughs> you know what I'm saying? All right. Oh yeah. So what has been your biggest spiritual lesson? Well, fuck that's loaded. Um, my biggest spiritual lesson I really think my the biggest my big spiritual truth is that this is school you know this is school and we're meant to learn and we're meant to make mistakes and we're meant to be wrong and we're meant to fall down and we're meant to learn and that's i think that is my biggest spiritual lesson is this is all school you know and i love when hicks says it i repeat it all the time like you're, you're never going to get it all done and you're never going to get it all right mm. and i think especially like when you enter any kind of being on kind of spiritual path it's like you have to have all the answers and you have to be all about positive thinking you have to be all about abundance or center and I'm messy and I think it's meant to be messy and weird and honest and brutal. And I love being around people that are raw and that don't try to like hide shit or make it all seem fancy or perfectly worded. So this is school with my biggest spiritual lesson. And this won't be my last lifetime. I don't believe that by any means. So for me, this is school. And like Carolyn Elliott says, like, God is one kinky ass motherfucker. And like, it's like, if all of these things were created. What? Well, I know I already asked you about questions. What would be your answer to that? My biggest spiritual lesson. Why do I have to have six? Because That's not fair. A quick mm. one. All right. Not long winded. Just quick. Top of your head. Top of my head is like how I define like myself and my success and I feel like I go through many waves of it and like how I see like value and worthiness in myself and how I have to like 
release like my own views of what I thought like a successful version of me would look like releasing like like I think even like my own desire or need to like achieve specific things or milestones in career like to me like motherhood has like been like such a ride because I have to like just surrender you know well i think surrender is like a thing that oh, i talk about so maybe it's surrender. All of these brilliant answers now it's surrender yeah surrender <laughs> is like definitely the through line of all of it like i feel like when like it just always comes back and when life starts to feel like too much work or too hard and i have to exert too much effort and it starts to feel really overwhelming then that's always my signal that I have to go back to surrender. And um, I just went through that phase again in the last few months. And I was just like, what am I doing? Like, I, I need to stop control, trying to control everything and sort of molding it. Because that's almost how we get taught to, like, approach things. And I'm like, I'm just going to see what shows up in my life and know that I don't fucking know everything. And I don't, I don't know, like, what comes after this and what doors the universe is trying to open for me. And... I don't need to have like too big of an ego to do that project or to say that I wasn't offering something anymore and to decide to offer it. I just need to like, let go of it and just like feel into each moment and let go of like and dislike as Michael Singer, one of our favorite yes. authors would say, and just like be like, Oh, well, what might the universe be trying to bring to me <laughs> right now? And will I say yes to this? So I do want to add on to my answer said that okay. and that uh, we've been talking a lot about this and it kind of segues, segues into like us doing this next season of the podcast is that every storyline is valid every single person that is on this planet their storyline is valid and it's you know we've been watching a lot of shows where like it shows like all these different aspects of people and storylines of like you know white lotus the guy that cheats on his wife who has been so judgmental and like the writing's so easy that like we see Maybe that wasn't the right choice, but that storyline is valid. And I think we've experienced that in our group of friends and the amazing people we've interviewed on podcasts mm -hmm. and had conversations with that every storyline is valid and it's fascinating. And everyone is really trying to do the best they can at any given moment. Mm -hmm. There's very few people that are completely tapped out and just trying to hurt and destroy people. Everyone from their vantage point is doing the best they think they can. And I think that every storyline is valid and fascinating. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I hope that everyone, if anyone's still watching or listening, enjoyed um, this little candid conversation. If anything arises and you want any feedback or any conversation with us, please. If you drop have us questions, let us know. If you know for a fact that Hugh Grant is actually gay, please send Ashley a message. Mm -hmm. yeah. Okay. And thank okay. you for listening and watching. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>